Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. It's a little blink 182 for your listening pleasure over there. We'll get fired up for hour number two of the show. Is it working? No. no. Okay. No. All right. Well, maybe this will work then. Sorry. John Bloom is joining us on the Arizona Sports Bloomer! Line. Human spark plug, especially this time of year when it comes to uh, Suns playoff basketball. Bloomer, what's going on? What's up, fellas? Uh, good to be with you. I will uh, do my best to uh, provide a spark, uh, but you guys do that yourselves. Don't sell yourselves short. You guys are spark plugs. <laughs> Appreciate that, Johnny. I don't even know that we you need a spark this week with the play play in games tonight. The playoffs starting up this weekend. Let's just start with the matchup that is in front of the Suns now, Bloomer. The L.A. Clippers. I think a lot of people went into the weekend saying, okay, if it's the Clippers or the Lakers or the Warriors, maybe the Clippers are the easiest matchup easiest being in quotes but the Clippers do some things well too so where are you at on this yeah they do uh some things well they have uh, a coach who arguably is uh known as the best adjustment coach in in the game you know and a guy that that has been lauded and applauded for years at doing just that making adjustments which when you get to a playoff series that's when that can really play a role right i mean it's one thing to make an adjustment in game which Ty Lue is very talented as in as well uh, in a regular season to maybe win a game like that but uh, when you play best to seven that's where that comes in handy and, and you know in, a just, in, a, in addition to the fact that you've got the, the coach at the top he also has a lot of weapons uh, at his disposal and I think throughout this season they've been trying to figure out what the best recipe is with, with all the guys they have there uh, and they've had guys in and out does that sound familiar to you guys? <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah Johnny it does um, what player do you think is is going to be important in regard to, okay, we all know that Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, they're going to be important. But other than those two guys right there, what player are you focused on with this matchup with the Clippers for the Suns? I got to go with the guy that I think uh, a lot of people are, are going to guess I'd go with before I even answer it. You know, five years ago, I was just thinking about this earlier this morning. Five years ago, the Phoenix Suns had the worst record in the NBA. It was such a brutal season. I just remember bits and pieces of it because I think I've put a lot of the stuff in a compartment in the back of my brain and not think about it. But there are bits and pieces that stand out. And what that led to was the number one overall pick. I can remember that day very well. You know, when they got that first pick, when the lottery happened, and we knew that the Suns were going to pick number one. Then all that transpired between the next couple months before the draft and the whole Team Aiton and Team Luca and all that stuff that we had back and forth uh, led to that. And now here we are. Uh, and, and I know that there's a lot of people that have broken down what DA has done from a number standpoint and all that stuff. But if you look at what DeAndre Aiton did in his playoff performances and my expectation for what he can do in this next playoff performance, that's where I'm most tantalized right now, guys, because I feel like he is, you know, he has scratched the surface of what his abilities are, and when we really see what a difference he can make because of his size, his gravity to the rim, his communication and anchoring on defense and all the different things that we've seen him kind of, you know, do in bits and pieces and maybe not as consistent as some folks out there wish. I think this is his time. And it, it isn't just about the Clippers series either. It's about whatever this team's going to accomplish uh, in this 
postseason run. Now, I'm not going to heap all the pressure that I've been trying to remove from DeAndre Ayton since he was the number one pick because I realize just how unrealistic a lot of people's expectations are for a person uh, when they're 18, 19 years old and they're picked number one overall. It just is. That's a tradition that we all kind of keep going. Uh, but for DA's standpoint, I really think it's right in his fingertips right here because he's not the number one option. He's not the two option. And in some cases, he's not even in a three. Try to find me a number four that can match up with DeAndre Ayton right now. So, Johnny, how do you think the Clippers are going to try to come in and play against the Suns? What do you expect? Same thing you guys do, physicality. Yeah. I think that's uh, the recipe to try to beat this bunch. And uh, I don't know that it's necessarily uh, wrong to try to get physical with them, and especially when you understand that the playoffs are a different beast than the regular season and the whistles are, are used differently uh, and all that stuff considered. I think this, the, the Clippers, uh, one of their best uh, strengths is their strength, their fortitude, their size, all that stuff. And I think they're going to try to, uh, you know, and force their will and their style on the Suns. I do think the Suns are going to be the better of the two basketball teams, and especially when you remove Paul George from the equation. I mean, that's that's a big part of this, guys. I mean, is Paul George available to play at some point during this ser- series? I don't know. But what I'm being told now is he's not going to start the series, and that's a big big deal for the Clippers. Talking to John Bloom, uh, Bloomer, one of the interesting developments towards the end of the season Chris Paul, and we had this conversation a lot of who's going to benefit the most from the addition of Kevin Durant, and the answer might really be Chris Paul. I don't know about you. I left the end of Game 7 last year thinking they can't they can't go into the playoffs needing Chris Paul to be a scorer, and I still feel that way, but but now they don't need him to be, and, and now he might be in a better position to be a scorer anyway. Yeah, that comes full circle, doesn't it, Luke? Yeah, I, I agree. I think, you know, Chris has had a lot of fun with us throughout the year about his scoring, his shooting, and stuff like that off the air, on the air. Uh, and, and I think that his confidence is absolutely unwavering. I think he's always known he could score the ball and put the ball in the basket. That's what he has, uh, you know, probably done more than anything, although he's he's more known for, for running the show and being that, you know, maestro or that point guard is, is uh, you know, he's one of the greatest to do that. So I think that it gets overlooked his, his offensive abilities, and I, at the same time, I agree with you that you don't want to put the pressure on him to be a number one or number two option, but that's what we're clearly showing here, is you've got Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. Those are your number one and number two options. One and one A, one A, one B, whatever you want to call them, right? Kevin and Devin. That's what it is. So after that, Chris Paul, DeAndre, and everybody else that's going to get an opportunity to contribute is uh, is going to get their moments to be called on because there are going to be times where they're blitzing those guys, where they're trying to just keep the ball out of those guys' hands, and the other guys are going to need to step up. And I've got faith in Chris. I know there's a lot of people out there that, that just kind of want to you know list the times where he hasn't closed the deal in the playoffs. But just find me a guy who's closed the deal more often when he's been given the opportunity, when he's been healthy and able to play, and. Uh, I can't wait to see him do it again in the playoffs. John Bloom, we appreciate the time. It's an exciting time of year, man. All right, looking forward to it. I can't believe we still have several days to wait, but, uh, you know, we'll we'll see what the play-ins provide these next couple days. Yeah, good stuff. Maybe we'll call you four more times. Thanks, Bloomer. All right, see you guys. Okay, man. That's John Bloom joining us on the uh, Arizona Sports Line right there. We come back over to football. We'll give you the latest on the allegations against Michael Bidwell as another former employee has spoken out. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
back to the show here on this Tuesday morning. It is Wolf and Luke. Uh, back over to football and a story on Pro Football Talk last night from uh, Mike Florio looking at, you know, bringing back up the Terry McDonough stuff from last week and those uh, those accusations he made towards Michael Bidwell and the Cardinals. Uh, he, Mike Florio points out that um, there's a little bit of, of support now coming from former Cardinals executive VP and COO Ron Miniger in a letter that he hand-delivered to Michael Bidwell on December 18th of 2019. Wolf, so Yo. three and a half years ago. This, this, so I, I, I want to start there. This is not somebody hearing what Terry McDonough said and saying, hey, I agree. This is Yo. three and a half years old. They somehow got the letter, and it doesn't. It doesn't sit like the letter doesn't point out, hey, everything Terry McDonough is going to say in three and a half years is going to be 100 percent accurate, obviously. But there's stuff in there that kind of would seem to support some of what Terry McDonough said. Not all of it, but but some of it like that, that that worker survey that uh, that was, you know, contended that Terry McDonough said basically that Michael Bidwell intercepted and, and got rid of. And the Cardinals were like, no, we use that to improve things. There's a note about that in here, and, and, and it's a long letter, so I'm not going to read all of it. But the bottom line, and we'll get more in, in depth in it, but overall, just not a great look right now. Yeah, no, you're right, Luke. It's not a good thing. There's no doubt about that. I don't know anything, Basinonians, about these allegations and their veracity. I don't. Um, but true or not, Michael Michael Bidwell is going to be given the opportunity to improve the organization, and I hope he seizes the opportunity. And unless I miss my guess, I believe that he will. You know, I, I think anybody who's listened to me over the last two decades, adversity in one's life is not necessarily a bad thing. Many times it, it can refine the process, it can refine the person, and make it better. In the end. And again, I don't know about the veracity of these allegations at all. It's not the Michael Bidwell that I know, Basinonians. Um, I, I have not worked with him on a daily basis, of course. My relationship with him has always been professional, Luke, uh, respectful and friendly. I would say that when the Terry McDonough stuff came out last week, to me, that fell into three categories. And you can correct me if you think I'm wrong. But to me, there was the the burner phone stuff, which was the headline, I guess, of, of cheating, which yes. I, I'm not trying to minimize that. But to me, I don't think the card, even if that's true, I don't think the Cardinals are the only team that's ever done that. And they won three games that year. So it's not like they won the Super Bowl because they were stealing other teams playbooks or something. You know what I mean? It was so I, I set that one aside. And then you had the really serious, you know, personal accusations, which I would say uh, Miniger does not doesn't support any of that in mm -hmm. here. It's more the middle stuff of just a really tough workplace environment for the uh, the employees and and you know miniger in this letter from 2019 i'll read you the opening line or the opening couple lines it says quote you're not the guy i met back in 2000 you used to smile and laugh a lot you used to be fun to be around you were excited about the future and what it would mean for our organization uh you worked your bleep off and started to see the fruits of your labor and that's kind of the tone of the whole letter at least what they put in this this um this story on pro football talk i i don't get the sense that this is Ron Miniger attacking I, Michael Bidwell three and a half years ago. It, it seems like he's almost reaching out. Yeah, and this is, you know, again, I, I've never seen a side of Michael Bidwell this way, Basin Orleans. I have not. Um, 
It's just, I've never seen this. And it doesn't mean it didn't happen. It just means I've never seen it. But if there is any truth to some of these accusations, I hope that Michael will accept the responsibility of getting better and do something about it because I love him and I want to see him do well. And the, 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 the fact that this is happening, again, does not have to be a bad thing. Because to your point, I think everything that has happened in here or even been alleged for the most part is fixable. The the Miniger stuff you're saying, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because because to me, there's 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 three tiers. Like I said, and, and Miniger stuff doesn't it doesn't address the burner phones or the like personal allegations at all. It just it it is more supporting the um the idea that the workplace environment isn't great, and that's not like that's the only place in the world that's ever happened. If it's true, I have to keep. We have to keep like sort of throwing out the caveat of if it's sure. true. But if it's true, the stuff he was talking about three and a half years ago is changeable. And and that's the biggest thing. Like you just said, now you've got this, the NFLPA survey this offseason. You've got a couple now sort of indications that maybe things aren't great as a workplace environment, whether that's true or not. But if it's true, that's still changeable. You know, so much of the time when um, talking about other people or other things based on means the only thing I think of when there is contention anywhere, when when there is debate, the only thing I think of is myself and my own life. I've always done that. And what a failed and flawed product I am. Having said that, going forward, I think Michael's humility will be the key as to what happens from this point forward. Again, allegations aside... Humility allows yourself to see where you need to get better and make changes. And I think every one of us right now, everyone involved, everybody listening right now, you know what I'm talking about. It, it's, it's something I've talked about for years on this show. You, we all, all of us need humility in our lives so we can see faults and then fix them. Do something about it. Pick me first. Oh, my goodness, Basinonians, the failed and flawed product that I am. Uh, I mean, I, I stand before you broken and, and failed on so many different levels. My own pride and my own temper. How many times I've got to check myself. But I know this. Humility is the key to getting better at anything. And I think we all would agree we all need a little bit more humility. My first thought when I read this is what you what I've heard you say a lot of times of if there's an issue, tell the truth. And again, yes. you know, whether whether this version of of the issue is the actual issue or whether Terry McDonough's version is or you know whether there even isn't this specific issue, that's almost secondary for for the moment of nothing's going to change if it needs to change. If the Cardinals don't feel like it needs to change, you know what I mean. So, like their response to this was, it was essentially, well, no, they, you know, Miniger eventually walked that back, and he doesn't feel that way. And then Pro Football Talk talked to Miniger, and he's like, I do feel that way. <laughs> so, I mean, you can't tell somebody else what they feel. That's no. not going to solve the, uh, the 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 potential problem here. Uh, as far as that survey, since I, I brought it up earlier, this is the quote from uh, Ron Miniger's letter back in, in 2019. Um, it says, quote, until recently, we didn't really have a clue how our employees really feel about working here. Have we created an environment that eliminates barriers to success and motivates people to excellence? That changed when we got the first round of the results from the employee engagement study. 
Sadly, we learned that a majority of our employees are working in fear. There are several factors, but much of this was directed at you based on the poor interaction they've had with you. What was your reaction when you saw the preliminary responses? Instead of leaning into it and trying to change things for the better, you shut the study down, unquote. Now, again, in case you're just turning this on, this is not in response to what Terry McDonough said. This is a letter from three and a half years ago. Now, to be fair to the Cardinals, they have said, no, we took that and we improved things. Yeah. And maybe they did. <laughs> like like you, I, I have no way of knowing that. I'm just I'm throwing out this letter and, and the the allegations from Terry McDonough and the Cardinals response. That's all we have to go with right yeah. now. Yeah. You know, and, and again, I, I don't know either. I don't know if they did or if they did not. I, I just know that the Michael Bidwell that I have been around base in Orleans, he's always been fair. He has always been fair. And to me right now, I would imagine this is an opportunity for not not just Michael Bidwell. This is an opportunity for the organization, period, I think, of getting better. I, I, I just know in my own life and my own experience in regard to adversity and facing it, I've done it myself. I think we all have where it's not necessarily a bad thing. To take that adversity, learn from it, and then get better going forward. And I think fully that's exactly what Michael will do. This is such a weird offseason because usually it's, hey, what what roster moves can you make? What can you do in the draft to make your team better? And I think pretty clearly the Cardinals are going to be zeroing in on culture. They already were. I mean, when you when you make the changes they made, which is personnel-wise. cited that. Yeah. The culture, not only on the football team, the entire organization. Yeah. Uh, text us your thoughts. The Fandle text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, can Chris Paul change his narrative in these playoffs? He's got a pretty good opportunity. It's next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Suns run to the playoffs coverage brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. All right, welcome back to the show. Here it is, Wolf and Luke. Play-in games tonight, a couple of them. Not not the ones where teams get eliminated, but we're going to see two seven seeds crowned tonight. Can you be crowned a seven seed? Yes, you can. I guess. Okay, well, we're going to see... Atlanta-Miami, the winner of that, is going to be the seventh seed in the East. And then Lakers-Timberwolves, uh, assuming the Timberwolves don't punch each other or walls during the game, we're going to see a uh, seventh seed crowded, crowned in that one, too. just makes so much sense, doesn't it? The, the, the play-in, the way that they're doing it, this, this tournament-style format. Yet, at the same time, it does reward you for being a seven or an eight seed. It does. Because if you win that one game, you're in. Yeah, that's the best you know, part I that they did that. about that, where it's... it's it's not, and if you lose it, you still, you still got have a, a shot. Game, yeah, you know, it's not single elimination. It's not double elimination. It's kind of like if you're the seven or the eight, you just need to win one game. If you're the nine or the ten, you have to win two out of two, basically. Um, as far as the actual playoffs, the uh, the pressure that was on the Suns last year, and I'm fascinated by this wolf because they won 64 games last year, so they were obviously viewed as as some of the favorites going into the playoffs. We all know how that played out. And when Game 7 ended, there was, there was a lot of soul-searching, I think, among the team and the fan base. Now, and I remember walking out of the arena and Chris Paul walking out, and you could tell, you could tell he was you know, hurt, even though they were saying he wasn't at that point. Yeah. Um, and probably dealing with other stuff. The pressure that is on Chris Paul 
nationally is is not going away until he either retires or wins a title. I mean, that's just he's he's too good to have been in the this league this long and not have a title. Some of these runs have not been his fault that he couldn't finish them. Some of them, though, I mean, obviously he's going to take the blame. But where I'm where I'm fascinated by this is now you have Kevin Durant who brings pressure of his own. I wonder if maybe he directs some of that pressure away from Chris Paul, not on the court, but I mean off the court. Boy, that is a great question. Um, you know, for me right now, all it does is ups the ante on the Chris Paul and not winning a championship. It, I I think ultimately I agree with you on that. Okay. If they come out of this not winning a title again, yeah. Yeah, I just think this is, you could point to it and say, this is the best chance that Chris Paul has ever had of winning a championship right now. Right now with Kevin Durant. Not next year, Kevin Durant, or two years from now, right now. The core four, the Phoenix Suns, that they can run out onto the floor. This is his best chance to win a championship. And if he doesn't, um, yeah, I think we all understand where the conversation will go. Think about what you just said, though, where this is his best chance to ever win a championship. And I agree with you, right? I mean, he's on a team with Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. Yeah. And they're in a pretty good you know, spot. They're going to host a, the first-round playoff series. And you know, I don't think Denver's, like, unbeatable if they get to the second round. If, if, if I had said to you at the end of last season, or even going into the playoffs last season, no, nah, this isn't Chris Ball's best chance. It'll be next year. You would have laughed in my face. In fact, I think you probably did laugh in my face about something else. Because going into the playoffs last year... That was supposed to be Chris Paul's best chance. And when they got bounced by Dallas, I think everybody was kind of like, that might have been it for Chris Paul. Like yeah, he's going to keep right. playing, but I don't know that he's getting back there. Yes. Again. Yeah. But now all of a sudden, there's Kevin Durant. That's a game changer. And what were they, 10 and 0? Is that what they were, 10 and 0, Luke, with Kevin Durant? Well, 8 0, because he didn't well, play it. No, that's yeah. right. Yes. Okay. Um, 8 0. They were with Kevin Durant, of course, in the lineup. And that, to me, just it further advances the narrative of saying that this is going to be the best opportunity. I, I don't know if you could look at it and say next year. A year older. I mean, I get it. Well, yeah, well, Kevin Durant will have been in the organization a uh, full year. He'll, he'll have played many more games, of course. And I, I honestly, I, I don't know if I buy that. Chris no, Paul I think is also going to be uh, yeah. a year older. It's not so much that KD is going to be older; it's that Chris Paul is going to be a year older. Uh, there was that stat, and I, I threw this out yesterday, but you didn't get to hear it. Um, ESPN, NBA, and ESPN threw the stat out over the weekend that Kevin Durant has already played as many regular season games with Chris Paul and Devin Booker, eight right, as he did the entire twenty twenty one season, his first year in Brooklyn with James Harden and Kyrie. <laughs> Oh my goodness. And and they weren't undefeated in their eight games. <laughs> so he's already won more games with Chris Paul and Devin Booker than he did that first year with Kyrie and, and Harden uh, in Brooklyn. This is Isaiah Thomas on the Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max show today talking about Chris Paul and that narrative that follows him around in his career. The reason why I say the narrative could change for Chris Paul because he would be a small point guard like myself who handles the basketball, assists, and scored. And, you know, when when it's all said and done at that position, he you could say that he and I, from a traditional point guard position standpoint, would be the only one who's done it. And that would totally change the narrative for him. And I'm rooting for him to do it. I think most people probably within the NBA – 
that Chris Paul isn't standing in their way of a championship are probably rooting for him at this point, right? I was going to say. I, I know he's not. I know oh. he made, he's made some enemies, I guess, around the league, but I also feel like that guy knows everybody in the world of basketball, and it is kind of ridiculous that he doesn't have a ring at this point. No, I, I'm totally with you on this one right here. It's part of the reason why I love Chris Paul the way that I do. It's because of the pro that he is and how much respect I have for guys that were pros let alone a guy who was the best point guard maybe to ever play, okay? Yeah. You could build that argument right there. Um, I know there are many, many people out there that would happily engage you in that argument, yet um, we all understand the accomplishments of Chris Paul at the point guard position. Um, there are many that will say, yeah, but what about the postseason right now? All I know, Basinonians, is Chris Paul has been a pro his entire career. Uh, he he quickly matured when he was a young guy to being a pro and has been a pro for all of these years. And because of that, I respect him so much for his consistency, not only in the person that he has been also, but the player that he has been over and over and over again. The consistency that is there, all he needs is that feather, metaphorically speaking, in the cap. And I hope this is the year, not just because it's the Phoenix Suns, but because I'd love to see him get rewarded because of the pro he has been. Yeah, we're at the point now where if he wasn't on the Suns, and, and I, I mean, yeah, hold on, right. he would have to not <laughs> be on the Mavericks or the Lakers either. But if, if he was just on a neutral team in these playoffs and the Suns, and the Suns were out of it, I think I'm at the point now where I'd be pulling for Chris Paul's team because that's that would be a, a cool story. Totally. <laughs> totally. Here's Kevin Garnett on uh, on Showtime talking about Kevin Durant's impact potentially on Chris Paul. I think a player like KD changes you instantly. instantly. I'm just up here looking at it on paper, man. I'm watching Devin Booker's morale. Mm-hmm. I'm watching his his boost. Mm-hmm. He was so boosted, it was like, oh, man, this is exactly what I needed. Man, you got two guys who can arguably get you 50. Like, you got to give them two double teams. Man, we forget Chris Paul is on this team, right? And DeAndre We Hayden. forget DeAndre Hey, These are two other guys mm-hmm. who can get... 30, 40 in your league. And you know who KD helped out of all of this? He helped Chris Paul. Yep. I think this can actually extend Chris Paul's yep. stay at Phoenix. Again, I'm going to defer to a guy like Kevin Garnett and his knowledge of basketball over some rando on Twitter that's like, <laughs> I like the Lakers, so they're going to win. No, rando. I'll, I'll take Kevin Garnett because uh, he knows a thing or two about basketball. And as we've seen throughout Devin Booker's career, it's the other great players that recognize the game before just random people. That's the way it always is, man. Players recognize players. Do you have one more cut? Do you have anything else you want to play right there? No, we have to go no, to break. No, that's good. We have Sorry. to go to break. Yeah, I mean, I have more cuts. I'd, I'd love to play them, but we have to all go you to break. About yeah, break, much it. break, it's, break. It's exactly break time right we now. We don't say break. I don't want Aaron to yell at me. Okay. I'm scared of her. The Phoenix Suns are back in the playoffs, and we are giving you the chance to score the hottest ticket in town, Suns playoff tickets. So just text TICKET to 62620. Register and listen for your name during the 7 a.m., 12 p.m., and 5 p.m. hours starting tomorrow for your chance to qualify for Game 1 tickets to see the Suns take on the Clippers. Again, that's TICKET to 62620. When we come back... Do the Cardinals hold the key to the 2023 NFL Draft? Kind of feels like it right now. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The NFL Draft. News on number three. Draft coverage. Live, local, late breaking. 
All right, back to football for the Cardinals in a lot of people's minds. Really hold the key. What's the uh, what's the French thing you always say? French sounding thing. The passepartout. Yeah, that. The what key that? that unlocks all locks. Well, that's uh, the skeleton lock. key. The I thought there was more. Well, the, no, the skeleton oh. key. Oh, I thought you said. Ah, <laughs> uh, Here's Ian Rappaport on the Pat McAfee show yesterday. And the biggest question is, you know, well, obviously, who is number one? But then what do the Cardinals do after? And do the Colts feel like they have to jump up and get someone? Like, basically, like, do the Colts trade to three? Or is someone else going to trade to three and get, presumably, Will Levis or whoever they end up wanting? Like, that's, of all the draft questions, now that number one has gone, what happens to three is probably as big a question as it gets. Who is that right there? That's Ian Rappaport. Ian Rappaport right there reporting, uh, speculating, but reporting. Kind of. Rappaporting. Rappaporting. Whatever it may be right there. But he's right, isn't he? Oh, boy, he's right. Because I think we all understand number three is the fulcrum point of this draft. Isn't that right, Chris Ballard? That's the the benefit of Chicago doing what they did and doing it so early in Carolina, making that trade so early where now for a few weeks it's been, hey, if you want a quarterback and you're not Carolina or Houston, you're going to have to talk to the Cardinals. The Cardinals get to decide if you get your quarterback, basically, if you're not one of those two teams. And we were talking about Mel Kuyper's mock draft earlier, and we're going to get back into it later on because there's a lot to get into. And actually, he went into the second round, too, so I want to bring up a couple players. One of them, (laughs) one of them I really like if they could get him in the second round. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But he also updated his player rankings for this draft. And he has Anthony Richardson and C.J. Stroud right next to each other at five and six. Not in his mock draft, but just overall. So Anthony Richardson is is not, in some people's minds, not just a, hey, I need a quarterback, so I'm going to take him. That's Mel Kuyper has him sixth overall in terms of just prospect ranking. Yes, yes, Luke. This is exactly what I was saying. I was saying this a couple of weeks ago. Um, and, and I'm saying, look at me, because this is what I was saying. So it sounds like, and I don't even know but, what you're saying. But you know, you know there are scouts out there that will fall in love with Anthony Richardson. Yeah. There's just no denying that. And if there are scouts out there based on earnings that might fall in love with Anthony Richardson, there are also general managers that may fall in love with Anthony Richardson. Depending how you want to frame it up, I've heard that he tested better at the combine than any quarterback ever. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or unlike any quarterback ever, is, is, is I think, the, um, the exact word. Are you sure about that, Luke Lipinski? That's what they have said. Because he's, well, look, I mean, I'm not saying I would take Anthony um, Richardson. The guy had a lot of uh, improving to do at Florida. It doesn't mean he can't do it, though. Yeah, it doesn't mean he can't do it. I will promise you, there are coaches who believe I can fix this guy. I can turn this guy into all that, all that he is capable of being. I can actually do this for him. There are coaches who believe that, and I'm not saying they're wrong based on earnings. I'm not. But there are coaches who believe it, and there are general managers who believe it. It just takes one. That's the other thing you've got to remember. 
there was a story that came out about six teams that have actually called uh, about number yeah. three, correct? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at Adam Schefter's tweet right now. At least six teams have inquired with the Cardinals about trading up for the third overall pick. Six teams, okay. Just remember, it just takes one. <laughs> All right, we played this game yesterday. Who do you think the six teams are? Okay. Colts, um, hopefully? It's got to be the Colts. Okay, of so course one. it's the Colts right there. Um, Carolina Panthers. Carolina? <laughs> Carolina? Yeah, are you kidding me? They got such a smoking deal. They could trade down to number three and still get a quarterback. Oh, that okay. would be That's <laughs> that would interesting. Be devious. I, I I'm going to put that, them in the maybe I, I just, category. Yeah, yeah, don't do that because I, <laughs> I, I said that for a fact uh, Tennessee. more than anything else. The Tennessee Titans. Um the Las Vegas Raiders. Figure Baltimore's probably on there, right? The Raiders. Baltimore, you gotta put them on there right now. So what are you at? So I'm at four, and this is where it gets it gets tough. Now I threw out one yesterday that everybody, including myself, kind of forgets about. Maybe Tampa. Tampa, put them on there. Okay, put Tampa. You Tampa's have on to there. put the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on All there. Right, so we still need at least okay. one more according to, to uh Adam Sheff. How about San Francisco? <laughs> Ooh, I'm not making it. <laughs> there's any, no way. Yeah. There's there's no way that's gonna happen. Detroit. There's Detroit. Is that a? Uh, they're bringing in Will Anderson for a visit. That's interesting. Yes, you'd have to put Detroit on there. Detroit's as well. the team. And they've got some draft capital, yeah. man. They're the team that's crazy enough in a quarterback hungry draft to trade up and take a defensive player. <laughs> they absolutely could. I could see them doing. Well, that. you know what? It's Chris Spielman right there. Yeah. Chris Spielman, I could just, I could just see Chris Spielman and Dan Campbell just all over that. You never know what those guys are going to do. Watching tape of Will Anderson, yeah, (laughs) drooling all over. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you know what? I I could see that certainly. Yeah, I put Detroit on there. Is that six? That's that's six. If we put Detroit on there, okay, yeah. And, and, and Schefter said at least six. So either way, this goes back to my earlier point of if they are getting this many calls, and I'm sure a couple of those are like, hey, you still have the third pick? All right, cool. I'll talk to you later. But I'm sure some of them are like, what's it going to take to get that third pick off you from quarterback desperate teams? Like you just said, it only takes okay, one. If right. there's more than one, I think they're going to get an offer they can't refuse. So think about it right now. If you're the Tennessee Titans and you're thinking, okay, uh, most likely the the players that could be available, the quarterbacks, I should say, that could be available at number three would be Anthony Richardson and Will Levis. Those two quarterbacks yeah, right there. Most likely. What if you absolutely love one of them? And you know somebody's going to move to three. If it's not us, somebody is going to move to three to get one of those guys. If you're Tennessee, it's not even a, well, we can't risk it. And if you're the Colts, you might want to live dangerously and be like, maybe we can uh, risk. Tennessee, you have no chance. If you want Anthony Richardson and you think he might go at three or four, he's not going, he's not going to be there at 11. Yeah. You have a choice. Yes, he's not going to be there at 11. <laughs> so what do you got to do? See, and if you love him, that's the thing. We just don't know how much the Tennessee Titans might love and Anthony Richardson or Will Levis, for that matter. No, no. Uh, I want to get to this, but too. But it just takes one team to do that, to move up. And what What exactly did Mel Kuyper say once again? How much draft capital 
Uh, did he have in he his had mock the, draft? He had basically, the he Cardinals had, getting three firsts and a second. Three firsts. Now he <laughs> think said, about that. He said it might be two firsts and two seconds, <laughs> but still. And that his his hypothetical trade he threw out there in his most recent mock draft this morning, and he was using that Miami San Francisco trade from twenty twenty one as a reference point because the Niners got number three overall, as it should be, and and they and they moved up for the number twelve from the number twelve spot, and then future first round picks in twenty two and twenty three, and a third rounder in in twenty two. So that's what they gave up to move up to that spot. Um, he has Tennessee sending Arizona pick 11 and 41 in this draft, plus a 2024 first rounder, and then either a 2025 first or second rounder as well. If you're getting that, I don't know that you can pass on it for Will Anderson when you are where the Cardinals are right now. I know, that and I'm all me. in on Will Anderson. That man. hurts me to say that so badly it does because anybody that has listened to the show you know how I love and covet a little Will Anderson. Um, because of not only the fact he's a great football player, but because of everything else that he touches. The intangibles that he'd bring. And the impact I think he'd have on a lot of his teammates, it is something that you just can't measure with human hands. The impact that a player might actually have on other guys around him. And Will Anderson is one of those tone setters, man. He's Taveran, as Robert Jordan would say. What the Bears did by making that trade is, and everybody sees this every year, right? The hype just builds as the draft builds up. And and who, what are you going to do at number one? What can we? Maybe we want number one. We're going to make that trade with you. Well, when the Bears made that trade so early, it kind of reset the draft. Everybody knows C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, probably going one, two, in whatever order. If one of them drops, it gets even crazier. But so now, for a few weeks, and now even a few more weeks leading up to the draft, it's almost like the Cardinals have the first pick in the draft perceptually, <laughs> right? Because the first two picks have kind yeah. of already been set aside. Yeah. So I, I really think the Bears and Panthers did the Cardinals uh, a favor here in terms of opening up an opportunity to really maximize that pick. Uh, coming up next, we're going to take you through the top stories of the day with Wolf and Down Your Lunch. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.